You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 28th of September. I'm Barry Field from our Corporate Treasury team and I'm joined this week by AIB Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent developments on the financial markets and look to the week ahead. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. Plenty of volatility over the last week or so, mainly on the equity markets, I suppose, mainly driven by concerns in China around Evergrande. Currency markets, however, remain range bound and not too impacted. Um, Over the last week or so, we've seen some key meetings, Bank of England and the Federal Reserve. What can we expect? Are we seeing any changes? We certainly have. I mean, we've had three central bank meetings now really in the last fortnight. The ECB met earlier in the month. So the, um, the... I thought the outcome there was that they're going to start scaling back their asset purchases uh, over the final months of the year. That that was more or less expected. Uh, the, the Fed and Bank of England have, I suppose, more significant market impact, certainly in terms of bond markets uh, and interest rate futures contracts. Uh, we've seen a marked rise in bond yields uh, and, I suppose, increased expecta- expectations around rate increases as well in both the US and the UK. In terms of the Fed, I mean, they, uh, they have an open-ended bond purchase program but they announced or they indicated that they could well be make an announcement about tapering that or scaling back those asset purchases at their next meeting which is the um the start of november the central banks meet every six weeks uh now that wasn't a surprise but this particular meeting is the quarterly meeting that we get their new uh growth and inflation forecast and also their their expected path in terms of rate projections of where rates might go and certainly the fed now is moving towards uh, indicating that rates may have to rise next year rather than 2023. Uh, half the members of its, of, its, of its policy council are looking for rates to rise, start rising next year. And also, uh, I suppose, a significant move upwards in the path of interest rates in terms of how much tightening they'll have to do. So we may well get an increase now unless markets are beginning to discount in US rates towards the end of next year. But also rates, you know, they're close to zero at the present time. Marked, or sorry, the Fed is indicating the rates could get to 1% by the end of 2023, one and three quarter percent by the end of 2024. You know, that's a fairly significant rise in their uh, projections compared to even June and even go back into March. If you go back a year ago, the, the expectations of markets was, you know, rate increases were a long, long way off and we'd see very little rate increase over the next uh, two or three years. But obviously over the last year, we've seen a pickup in growth, much stronger than expected, but also pick up in inflation. And central banks are taking this into consideration. So, uh, and you know, the forecasts published by the Fed last week saw an upward adjustment to their inflation forecasts for this year. Now, they still expect inflation to fall back over the next couple of years, but it looks or sounds to me that they're, they're beginning to take out a bit of insurance here that if, if inflation proves stickier than they anticipate and maybe slower to fall, that they're taking away some of the monetary stimulus. And I suppose that was evident with the Bank of England as well, which met last week. And, you know, they put it this way. They said the case for modest rate increases uh, has strengthened since they last met in August. Uh, and they now see inflation rising to above 4% this year in the, in the UK. Uh, and really given uh, an impression that they might be waiting that long in terms of rate increases. So markets actually have started to price in a UK rate hike in the opening quarter of next year. So within a number of months uh, and also further increases to follow. So markets in the UK now see UK rates again, they're down close to zero, but they could be up to maybe one per, rise towards 1% by the end of 2023. So I suppose significant indications with central banks 
that they may have to do more policy tightening than maybe they anticipated three or six months ago. And that is in response to, you know, the stronger than uh, expected recovery in economic activity, quicker than quicker pace of growth over the year to date. Uh, not, notwithstanding the fact that we've seen some slowdown in the pace of recovery since mid-year, uh, really reflecting the impact of the, the Delta variant, particularly in the US and the UK. But also I think, you know, inflation is no doubt, inflation has rose quicker uh, and to higher levels than central banks anticipated uh, uh, over the course of this year. And they're taking that into consideration as well. So that has spilled over into bond markets, into industry of futures contracts, uh, upward movements in both. But uh, as you know, I mean, not much impact on the on the currencies because to some extent, all central banks are beginning to uh, roll back in terms of quantitative easing. And the Fed and the Bank of England suggesting the rates may have to rise next year. And the markets are now beginning to think that it could be, you know, rate increases in the Eurozone from the ECB could materialize in 2023, which was earlier than anticipated. So with all banks, or sorry, central banks starting to what we call taper or scale back their, their quantitative easing and now mulling the prospects of rate increases, albeit that they're further away from the ECB, there hasn't been much move in currency markets. I will say, though, that the euro is under a bit of pressure against the dollar. Uh, it's trending around that 117 level. It has been really since July of last year, it's been within a nar- very narrow range, uh, euro dollar, 116.5 by 123. It is testing the lower bound of that. And, you know, if rate increases did come through in the US and UK next year and rates were left on hold in the eurozone, uh, we have seen very narrow trading rates for quite some time now. It might put a bit of pressure uh, on the euro in terms of seeing rate increases elsewhere. So I think that's something to look out for. Okay, thanks for that summary, Ollie. Um, Much appreciated. Last week, we also saw some uh, PMI readings for the US, UK and Eurozone. While they all remain strong and above 50, um, we have seen them come off their record high postings um, over the last couple of months. Is there any cause for concern here? Well, there's no doubt, um, you know, as I, as I referenced earlier, the, the recovery of the global economy has lost momentum since mid-year. And actually, we saw the OECD come out with uh, its latest set of quarterly forecasts uh, last week as well. And it scaled back um, its growth forecasts for the US and the UK this year, particularly the US. So the US economy had been expected to grow by around 7%. The OECD scaled that back to uh, 6%. And actually, the Fed did the same thing last week as well. And it does reflect the fact that the the Delta variant and the the rise in the number of new cases has impacted the pace of recovery. Now, it's not derailing it, but certainly slowing the pace of recovery. There's there's other factors at work as well. I mean, there's there's, there's still ongoing issues, and this might might last for quite some time in terms of what we call bottlenecks in supply. So shortages of raw materials, shortages of inputs, shortages shortages of workers, and that is holding back the pace of recovery. So we have a demand surge. There's no doubt about that. The economies are opening up. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of fiscal stimulus, so, so, so I suppose supports from the government for both households, incomes, and supports for businesses. So the money is within the system, but the supply side, for various reasons, is struggling to match that you know surge in demand, and a lot of it is down to bottlenecks uh, in the supply chain, and that's clearly evident in the PMI report. So we're talking about longer delivery times hitting manufacturing, uh, hitting the construction sector. We, we, we see lots of reports about shortage of workers, shortage of inputs, shortage of materials. And even the services sectors, you know, the hospitality sector that's opening up. And in some cases, you know, the labour supply there, there's, with that rise in the Delta variant and still high levels in terms of numbers of new cases, there's certainly among part of the workforce that there's a reluctance to return to work just yet. And 
particularly evident in countries like the US, where you know the take-up rate in terms of vaccination rates is not as high as in a lot of European countries. That's a, there's concerns about let's say going using public transport, etc. So we are we we are seeing a slowdown in the pace of recovery. Growth will still be strong this year, but it's a combination of factors that are working. And you say that's been that was picked up clearly in the PMI reports. So you know the demand side uh, has surged ahead. The supply side of the economy is struggling in terms of bottlenecks, high number of cases, labor shortages, etc. That's certainly true, and it's coming through in those PMI reports. But notwithstanding that, the central banks are being more cautious here. Um, they, they, they're, they're strongly of the view that over time, the supply bottlenecks will ease, inflation pressures will ease, uh, and the recovery will be sustained. So they feel that now it's an appropriate time to be, begin to think about or even start withdrawing some of that monetary stimulus that's been within the system for quite some time, starting with rowing back in terms of the massive bond purchases or quantitative easing problems that have been in place over the last couple of years. And then it looks like next year, certainly in the US and UK, moving on to maybe hiking rates as well. Very good, okay. And turning to the week ahead, Ollie, quarter three is drawing to a close. Can we expect any event risk or anything to really much happen over the next week or two? Or No, we had the federal elections in Germany over the weekend and um, they're more or less in line with expectations in terms of the outcome. I mean, I heard that the likely person who was going to come Mr. Schultz is likely to become the next chancellor, saying negotiations there could last until Christmas in terms of forming a government. It could be a three-part coalition, but the markets had more or less anticipated that. We don't. We usually get the big employment report in the US on the first Friday of the month, but that actually is not coming on this Friday. It's going to be on Friday week. So that's the next big figure that the markets will be looking on, looking at. And you know, the Fed have said that if that's if that's really a half decent report at all that it'd be sufficient for them to begin tapering probably in November. So there's not there are some further inflation figures out in the Eurozone. We're expected the CPI rate, they were rising further up to 3.3%. Uh, and in the US, in terms of inflation figures, but really uh, we have the PMIs, we've had the central bank meetings. Uh, we know inflation is rising in the near term. The next big focus for markets will be that employment report next week. That'll be on Friday week. And as I say, any sort of half-decent report would really cement expectations that the Fed will start to withdraw the monetary stimulus at its next meeting, which is at the beginning of November. So that's a key one for markets to look out on. Okay, brilliant. Ollie, thank you very much. To stay up to date with our latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Stay safe and stay well. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.